You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Riverwise Podcast. I'm Megan Douglas, the managing editor of Riverwise, and I'm sitting here today with Victoria Shaw. Um, she is a native Detroiter who is also a lifelong community organizer who cares deeply about advocating for the rights of all of Detroit's people. Um, professionally, she has a background in corporate leadership and data-driven decision-making, and personally, and now also I would kind of feel like professionally, <laughs> is the president of the Grand River Community Block Club. So welcome, Vicki. Thank you. Um, so, you know, we're talking today because we have um, been working together over the last couple of months to get out a special edition that can help um, with civic participation in the, the city. So we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. But I just want to give people kind of a little like context. Why are we doing this and um, what led you to the work that you're doing now? So I guess let's kind of start at the beginning. I know a lot of people hear about block clubs and might not know what that means or like, you know, what they can do. So what made you interested in forming a block club? Sure. So um, first of all, Megan, thanks so much for having me here to, um, to have this discussion. So um, the Grand River Community Block Club started uh, in 2020. So in the summer, right when, you know, all the social um, venues and everything were shutting down because of the pandemic, we had a spike in our, our community with drag racing and what they call drifting and just a lot of um, activity kind of converging on our, you know, several blocks in our area. Mm -hmm. And it was um, pretty challenging for the residents that were there. I would say for the most part, resident, our, the residents didn't really participate in the activity. It was like other people kind of coming in and um, kind of using our space as a big playground. <laughs> and so, um, you know, there'd be noise all throughout the night, generally every Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. Um, there was a lot of like alcohol and drug use and shooting that typically happened at the end of the night. And um, just a lot of safety concerns from the residents. And so one, I think it was a Sunday morning, we came out of our homes like we typically do to kind of see the aftermath of what occurred. And um, someone had actually been killed at the end of our block, mm -hmm. um, shot in the intersection in his car. The police were there and they were there for hours. It was just, it was a big mess. And that's when we started talking about like, what do we need to do to end this? And um, we had some conversations with several community leaders who put us in touch with um, other community leaders and, uh, you know, contacts at the police department and different, you know, city entities. And finally, they were just like, you guys need to form a block club. So <laughs> I'm like, how do we do that? You know, <laughs> so um, a few of us, you know, got together, got some um, some guidance and and pulled it together. We really had good participation, especially to start. I mm. think at our first meeting, we probably had 30, 40 people show up that were very interested in just pulling our voices together to um, to make a change in, in the community. So 
that's how we started and it's kind of evolved since then. We don't have those type of issues as much anymore, but it's kind of evolving into things like beautification and um, information sharing and like the civic education that we're talking about Mm -hmm. and things like that. So you mentioned at the beginning you had like 30 to 40 people. Right. Is is that still going on? And like what have been some of the challenges like to organizing your community, keeping people interested and what have been some of the wins? Yeah. So I would say the, the biggest win is, you know, our initial goal was to increase the peace and safety in our community. And we did that for sure. Um, We built some really strong partnerships with our local um, precincts and uh, city council and different individuals, the board of police commissioners to assist us with keeping on top of that type of activity um, and form really strong partnerships with other community groups as well. Um, So I would say that was the biggest win. We do not have that level of participation (laughs) anymore, I was saying. We probably have five or so people show up to a black club meeting at this point because things are quiet right now. Yeah. Right. So it it seems like individuals really come out and and say things and want to participate when something's going wrong. But I strongly believe that um, preventive maintenance is the way Mm. to go. And so how do we really form strong alliances in the community on an ongoing basis to prevent something from coming up? And that's a challenge, just trying to keep people engaged throughout that process. Mm -hmm. So um, it's been it's been a challenge. We get things done. I find that. We don't have to have meetings super often to get things done, you know, especially if you have a core of folks that are just going to do the work anyway. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the biggest challenge is kind of keeping folks head in the game. Yeah. People are busy, right? Yeah. Like you've got family and work and everything. And now like layer on a meeting every few weeks or every month and then, uh, you know, five or six hours of cleanup on a Saturday. You know, it's just, it's a lot to ask people to do and help them understand that it really contributes to our quality of life though, to Mm -hmm. participate and it's really important. Yeah, and that when you do those kind of things, like you said, that preventative stuff, like if you're doing it at the outset, then it actually kind of decreases your workload like as you go along. (laughs) Exactly, Uh right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. okay. You know, I think one of the things that might also like be wrapped up in some of these issues is how people even think about community. You know, you kind of reflected when you said, oh, when there's something going wrong, Mm -hmm. like then everybody kind of reaches out, um, but that there could be this ongoing basis. So like, what does, you know, what does community mean to you? Like, how does that factor into this and how might that even you know, understanding what the definition of community is, um, maybe get people more involved or what do you think? Right. Yeah, I really, um, well, there's different types of communities and I mean, we'll talk more about like the community that you physically live in. So your neighbors and folks like that. Um, there should be a, a, a network of people that support each other, right? Mm-hmm. It's so funny because sometimes, um, I have neighbors across the street. We, we look out for each other's houses. If anything out of the norm is happening, we'll give each other a call. And 
they'll call me if something's going on and the first thing they'll say is, I'm not trying to be nosy, but, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, stop it, you're not being nosy. What's going on? I want you to look, there's nothing going on that you can't, I don't need you to see. Um, but just getting a comfort level with that, right? To yeah. look out your window, see what's going on. Um, don't turn a blind eye when you see something that's concerning and hold each other accountable, you know, and uh, to taking care of each other. Mm -hmm. That's the main thing. Um, and I, I don't know, I feel like we've gotten to the space where for, for years I was in my neighborhood and I didn't know my neighbors. I, mm -hmm. It was really this issue in 2020 that kind of brought us together to mm -hmm. really meet each other and have a conversation. And it's really evolved into some, into some really powerful relationships. And so, um, you know, understanding what the goals are for the, for the neighborhood and for the community. What do we want it to look like? What do we want it to feel like? Can I walk down the street and feel comfortable and, um, and have folks looking out for me? You know, mm -hmm. that type of, that's the community that I would like to see, yeah. you know, um, something that's beautiful to look at, right? Not trash around and, mm -hmm. you know, but flowers and, you know, just a place that's comfortable, you know, that you love to be in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really interesting um, that you bring that up because I was just talking to one of my homegirls the other day um, and uh, she was talking about, well, you know, how do I in a you know, positive way, say, for example, to my neighbor, hey, you got to clean this trash up because that doesn't look right, you know, and she's, you know, saying a lot of times when you when you do that, um, people get defensive and mm -hmm. like confrontational rather than. And I think one of the things that you hit on is this um you know, a lot of those things are intentional, right? Like if you can break down people's community networks and their trust of one another, right? then rather than rely on each other, they do then have to rely on like state mm -hmm. and government to police one another, That's right. right? And then it becomes punitive rather than like restorative. Exactly. And so I think, um, and one of the things we were talking about is, well, this is that place where... Um, we have communities where people are hurt, right? Where people, you know, have been disconnected from even the land. So like going out and planting flowers is something completely sometimes foreign to them. Right. You know, and I think um, building that trust and letting people see that like, oh, I'm not planting these flowers to like shame you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, like I want good for the whole community. Mm -hmm. And it really does bring, you know, start have like relate to having to bring back how it is that we communicate in a trust space with that's people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that's really awesome that you've been able to find some of that in your community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I will say too, in relation to, you know, the, the planting flowers and everything, right. Um, having those conversation pieces. So one thing that I've done is I'm working to bring in like more native plants, native um, perennials into onto my, you know, surrounding my house. And I put signs up, informational signs. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, so when people walk by, they're like, well, what is this? And they're reading about it, and then they're asking questions. And the nice thing about perennials is that they, they multiply. So I've already told folks, like, 
I'm gonna be dug- digging these up and splitting them out. You can have some for your yard. Mm-hmm. Like they're not, it doesn't cost you anything to beautify your yard. Yeah. And for those, I mean, you know, we have some um, elderly and some, you know, disabled individuals in the community that may have struggles with getting down on the ground and planting. So here, let me help you do this. You know, um, so doing it for yourself first, like setting that example, and then slowly branching out. And instead of, well, you need to do this with your house. Hey. Can I come over and help you with this? I have some extra, you know, or I just got finished, you know, picking up trash around my house. There's some more room in the bag here. Can we pick up a couple pieces over here with you? You know, so it's a partnership instead of telling someone you need to do this, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and it's been it's worked. You know, we've had people to just really. I don't know. It almost becomes like a competition. Like, oh goodness, you know, he can just cut their grass over there. Let me get mine together, you know, <laughs> type uh-huh. of thing. Yeah. So it's yeah. just it's kind of contagious. That's awesome. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that idea that like the contagion of like compassion and community care. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. So, in terms of then the kinds of things that you also like personally and then also you know in your role as the um president of the black club Mm -hmm. what issues to you do you think are most concerning right now like what matters are you passionate about and yeah i mean there's there's a lot i mean there's a lot of changes going on in detroit right now and as i look just across our neighborhood um there are individuals sometimes that are struggling to keep their homes maintain their properties and i know the city is doing some things to um both educate and enforce ordinances and um people need help right now just, you know, meeting their day-to-day needs. And, um, you know, we've we've had conversations about issues with taxation, property taxes, and um, what I, I don't want to see um, a lot of displacement, I would say, in the community, um, especially for, you know, people who have been there for generations and, um, you know, are just struggling to maintain. That's a, that's just a concern for me right now, and I'm I don't really have a solution like <laughs> at the top of my head for that. Um, but that's a concern, and just and it, you know it comes from lack of generational wealth and education gaps, um, where people can be in a space where they can finance, you know just living mm-hmm. and staying, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, just sustaining, just to stay, yeah. you know, so that's a concern. So thinking, you know, then about the kind of ways that you've been able to get involved, um, and where you feel like you're making the most impact, um, or where are you even putting your energy? I know you've been really involved with going to the Board of Police Commissioner meetings. I have. Um, can you speak a little bit about why? Why did you start going to those meetings specifically? And what does that matter? What have you learned? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, um, again, kind of back to 2020 when we are 
Block Club formed and we were really having a lot of conversations with um, Detroit Police Department about how to proactively manage, you know, the activity that we were concerned about. I came to learn about Board of Police Commissioners through that process, right? And I didn't, I'd never heard of it before. And I just assumed, oh, police commissioners, I don't know, they're probably a police officer or whatever. I don't know what they are, you know? And so, I started to do some research about them and started to go to the meetings. And if you look in the city charter, the way that is written is that the Board of Police Commissioners is uh, supposed to be a standalone entity separate from the police department. And it's actually civilian oversight of the police department. And so when I read that, I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) Civilians have oversight of the police department? Yeah. What a concept, right? I mean, it's just, it was so profound to me. And so I started to participate now in actual practice. (laughs) I found that um, it's not as effective as Mm. it's, we would think that, you know, a civilian oversight entity would be. There's some opportunities there, but definitely in concept and the powers that are written in the charter um, could be a very powerful tool for the citizens of Detroit if leveraged appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been participating with them for just about a year now. They can count on me to be present at just about every single weekly meeting Mm -hmm. (laughs) and say something on public comment at least, you know, three out of four weeks out of the month. Uh And it's been really good. I actually got a chance to go down to the NACOL conference this past month in Fort Worth, Texas. So NACOL is the National Association for Civilian Oversight of Law Enforcement. Okay. And our Board of Police Commissioners is a member of their members of NACOL. So that was really cool because my understanding of oversight had just been focused on what's happening in Detroit. And going to NACOL, I got a chance to meet people from different cities across the country, as well as some countries um, outside the U.S. are also there to understand what they're doing. And some of them are just forming oversight, you know, boards, and some have a lot of experience and just to kind of learn some best practices in that space and really push the board from the the public's voice on what we want to see in oversight. And so the board really, I mean, they approve policy, police policy. That's, that's huge. Right. And so if we as citizens can attend those meetings and influence those decisions, I mean, you're literally influencing the policies for the police who are in your space, Mm -hmm. right? So those who have concerns with how the police do things, there's a tool to make change for that if we just leverage it, you know? So it's been pretty exciting for me. They, um, I think they're sick of seeing me. (laughs) They keep saying they're not. That means you're doing your job. (laughs) They say they're not, but um, it's it's been it's been really good. Um, I think one of the major opportunities I've been talking about them lately is just their use of data. You know, there's tons of data in the city, especially in the police department and um, the board. There's OCI, Officer Chief Chief Investigator, that processes citizen complaints against police officers. Mm -hmm. And if leveraged appropriately, like that's just a data rich space to not only hold an individual 
police officer accountable, but also to affect policy and coaching and training, you know, and public education, right? And so I've been really pushing them to use data to make their decisions and not just kind of go along sometimes. Oh, yeah, because they're sure not doing it right now with ShotSpotter. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> so all this research exactly. that shows ShotSpotter is ineffective, it's costly for no reason, and they're, yeah, gung ho for it. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. um, so that's one thing I've been pushing. And then the other piece, too, is just the relationship with the public. So yeah. when I'm at the meetings, there's... I just presented some data to them on, I took one of the meetings and broke it down by like the type of conversation activity that's happening in the meeting and how much time is spent with the board interacting with each other and with the police department and how much time is actually spent interacting with the public. Mm. It's very little. I can't, Mm -hmm. I I don't know. It was like maybe 10 percent or so. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, Actually interacting with us yeah uh-huh. and you've got all this conversation going on between the board and the and the police department and this was a actually a community meeting so once a month the meetings are set up to be a community meeting and so it's a community meeting and your interaction with the community is the minority piece of this meeting yeah you know so it doesn't make sense right yeah. so I really like to see them make some intentional efforts to really engage the public more. At the same time, there's some ownership on us in the community. Like, we've got to be present. Got to show up. You know, we've got to show up. And so I know I've been sharing information in my community about, you know, what is the board and why should we be there? Why does it matter? You know, Mm -hmm. and just trying to get folks to come. And we've had some response, you know, here and there. Good, good, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And it's so important. Mm-hmm. For sure. Especially when you have a tool in your city. Because I, I think a lot of people like don't even necessarily understand that, you know, through the charter mm-hmm. in Detroit, we have a lot of tools here in the city that not every city has. That's right. And, you know, I think... Well, clearly, there are forces that try and keep people, for sure. you know, from knowing about all of the kinds of ways that they can access things. That's right. Um, but yeah, it is. It's really, you know, time for us to start understanding, mm-hmm. you know, because what's for sure is that the other side knows really well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they take their time to do their research and know every code and like, you know, and so I know it's not always the most fun stuff to do and it can get really wonky, but that's why it's so like it's so important that you're doing what you're doing, especially the breaking down of information into like easily digestible parts. Right. Um, and I think that's it's probably a good time then to talk about what we've been working on okay. um, together. Um, so... Uh, Vicky um, came um, to a Riverwise meeting, what, maybe about 
eight months ago. I think so. Um, and she has um, put together this amazingly wonderful um, civic participation um, agenda. It's uh, three lessons um, that cover everything from, you know, how it is that you vote to what are the various branches of government um, to examples of, you know, how people are showing up and winning for their community and how it is that decisions made by government might be impacting our lives. And it's, it was you know, so we've collaborated really to create a project where anybody in any neighborhood across the city could say, hey, I want to have a little meeting in my house um, and um, educate my neighbors on some aspect of local government. Um, and they will have they would be able to have access to Vicky's um, curriculum to help lead the um Discussion, and then they would have a special edition of Riverwise that we're in the works of creating right now um, that would follow along as a workbook. So, first of all, um, I just want to say every time we sit in a meeting <laughs> and see the amount of work you've put into this, everybody's always amazed, inspired, um, and grateful. Thank you. Um, can you speak a little bit about, you know, why? you know, voting, civic participation, all of those kinds of things are important to you. Um, and, you know, how you kind of landed on this idea of mm -hmm. creating um, this toolkit and what you're hoping for it. For sure. Yeah, so it's interesting because my journey as a voter um, has evolved over time. I remember when I turned 18 and, you know, it's my turn to participate in voting, I just asked my mom, like, <laughs> like, how do I do this? And she's just like, oh, just vote straight ticket like that, you know? And <laughs> I'm like, okay, whatever, you know? And so I will go vote. I didn't, I didn't know who people were, you know? And you might see a name that I rec, you know, I might see a name I recognize and just, okay, sure, that person sounds fine, you know? And, um, so I didn't, I don't recall getting like local government education in school. Mm -hmm. Me neither. Yeah. And so I didn't really know what I was doing. I mean, mm -hmm. that's just what it is. And so as I got a little older, I actually kind of ashamed to say I stopped voting mm -hmm. um, because I suddenly kind of felt uncomfortable with selecting people. I didn't know who they were. I didn't know what they stood for. And I didn't even know the responsibility of the jobs that they were running for, mm -hmm. right? So I'm like, I'm not gonna do this. <laughs> because I don't know what I'm doing, it feels really irresponsible. <laughs> yeah. And so then I was just kind of like, I will go in and vote for proposals and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then I, took some uh, training, some leadership training classes through my previous job that really focused on preparing corporate leaders for like community leadership mm -hmm. and just kind of, you know, growing as a leader and um, kind of taking that to the next level. And it helped me to understand the importance, especially of local government yeah. and participating in those elections. And so... I said, okay, I need to be doing this. 
but I want to do it responsibly. So what does research look like? How do I know what candidate I should be selecting? And really going through this process was helpful. Um, I learned a lot yeah. putting this curriculum together. Like I said, I didn't even know what the Board of Police Commissioners who they were. Mm -hmm. And we vote, we vote for that person, mm -hmm. right? And so we need to understand what that person's supposed to do for us, you know? And so th the idea of this curriculum came up because um, the Grand River Community Block Club vice president and I, for the, what was it, 2021 um, elections, we were looking to just pull together some quick voter information for our block club. Yeah. And we found that it was difficult to find like a quick snapshot of, of everything somebody needs to know to get ready to go vote. And so that's kind of where the idea came out of. We need something more robust. Yeah. And, um, you know, we had conversations with you and here yeah. we are. So, yeah, we love it. I mean, um, I think there's often you know, kind of a scramble right before an election, mm -hmm. you know, and like, you know, I'm even guilty of it. Like, you know, two days before I go right. vote, I'm doing all my research <laughs> and I'm like down a rabbit hole mm -hmm. trying to find podcasts, trying to do mm -hmm. all of this. And I think, you know, whatever it is, like some of that you just can't get around. And right. I think it's also um, important for people to understand that, like even people who are very well versed, spend a lot of time researching yeah. and figuring out for themselves which candidates really do reflect their values best, but that you don't have to do it on your own, that there are so many, I mean, there's journal, like journalistic outfits who, mm -hmm. um, We'll interview every candidate in your city. Right. Um, there are, you know, I know the Sierra Club often puts out really great, like, information on different candidates. Your local union will have mm -hmm. information on who they're endorsing, you know. And, and it, you know, me too. I might, Sometimes I just default to whatever, whoever my favorite union picked. What yeah. You know, stuff like that. Right. But there are all kind of tools we can use in our toolkit um, to get us there. So... Um, as you think about having this uh, curriculum and having the workbook to go along with it and, you know, what are your hopes for it? Like, what are you planning to do with it and what do you hope it provides to mm -hmm. um, Detroit? For sure. So, um so the way it's designed is that the Riverwise edition will be, like you said, a workbook. So that's like your participation, your participant guide. And then there'll be a standalone document that I'm working on finalizing that will be the facilitator guide. And I've tried to put it together in a very simple step-by-step -step, um, format so that anybody, even if you don't really have training experience, can kind of follow it and... Um, and lead, like you mentioned, a group through the material, add some context, there's some activities, hands-on activities on like how to research or find information or maybe do something on the city website or whatever it is you need to do. One of the major activities in there is registering to vote. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so we definitely wanna make sure that people are registered to vote and know where to vote and what resources are available to do so, whether they're voting in person or um, voting absentee. And um, 
It also points to some, you know, resources for any accessibility concerns that somebody may have. And then beyond that, so so the goal is to get more people participating in voting, but civic participation doesn't stop there, right? Like we select, you know, what, you know, we select some city council folks, some, you know, board of police commissioners, the mayor, you know, um, the clerk. It's a handful of people that we put in office to make decisions for all of Detroit, right? And they, we cannot expect those individuals to make those decisions on their own. So we have to participate beyond the polls. And so we also include in the curriculum how to stay engaged on an ongoing basis. And a person can't do everything. Like mm-hmm. I do not have time to go to the board meeting every week and sit on city council. I think they're in meetings like their whole lives. I, they're meetings, <laughs> <laughs> meetings like all the time. Mm-hmm. And so you do need to kind of pick and choose what you're going to focus in on and then stick with that. Right. And if everyone picks some Thing that they're interested in, then we'll have it all covered. And it's really about oversight. You know, we say that the Board of Police Commissioners is this um, civilian oversight of the police department, but really we're all oversight of our local government. Mm-hmm. We are supposed to be holding them accountable to do what they've been put in office to do. And they go in these meetings, these meetings are public meetings. And they're making decisions that affect our day-to-day lives. And we should be there to see the decisions, to see how they're coming to the decisions, and to give them feedback on how we want them to decide. And we should be doing that on an ongoing basis. So I'm hoping that um, this curriculum will increase individuals voting, individuals voting in an educated manner, like doing their research, understanding what, you know, not just voting for someone because they're the last ones that gave them a gas card, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but really understanding who, like you said, um, upholds my values and and what's, you know, gonna have a positive impact on my family, my community, and then participating and holding those individuals accountable and working with them in a government community partnership to, you know, increase and maintain the quality of life that we want to have in Detroit. That's awesome. Well, you heard it here first, <laughs> folks. Uh, we have one of the busiest women in Detroit um, who is pouring out her care, her compassion, and her love for the city and for the people of Detroit into, um, you know, not just the things that she's doing to earn her bread and butter, but also the things that she's doing um, on her own, of her own volition, in her spare time, if we have <laughs> such things these days, um, to make our city the kind of place that we actually, you know, can thrive, survive, and be a part of in uh, in the kind of way that is authentic and um, provides quality of life for people. So be on the lookout. Um, we um, hope to have this edition out real soon. Um, and um, we're really excited to interact with the community with it um, and uh, 
to see everybody, you know, at the polls on November 8th. This is a big election. For sure. And we say it all the time, but man, this one is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm just going to encourage everybody out there, take some time. You know, we're what, a little bit uh, over a month out from that election. Um, Don't just throw away those flyers that come in your (laughs) mailbox. Take a chance to look at it. Um, You know, do some of the research online. Find out, find those candidate interviews. Um, Speak to your neighbors. Speak to your friends. Speak to your family. You know, if something hits you funny, research it. Figure out why. You know, um, I think one of the biggest uh, shams that's ever been perpetuated on us is people telling us that we're not supposed to talk about politics. That's right. Um, and that we're, you know, yeah, I think, uh, that is one of the ways that you suppress, you know, that you suppress people's voting rights and their democratic rights is Mm -hmm. by making them feel as if, uh, the, the access that they have to controlling their life isn't actually something that they have. Yeah, I just want to add one thing. Um, I think what um, voters need to understand, too, is that it takes money to run a campaign. Mm -hmm. So when you see a lot of commercials about it from a candidate, a lot of flyers from a candidate or gifts and different, you know, that that's money being spent. Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean that's the best candidate because you're seeing that name over and over again. That just means Mm -hmm. they got the most money. They got the most (laughs) money. That just means they got the most money. Uh So it's important to do that research and again, go back to the values because, Mm -hmm. you know, we've got some really good candidates that get money, but Mm -hmm. you have to kind of think about too, like, why are they getting the money? Mm, mm-hmm. You know, and there could be something behind that too that, um, you know, can impact that candidate's integrity down the line. Mm-hmm. You know, so I would just say, you know, just because you're seeing the flyers, you're seeing the the ads, you know, for someone. Just because you see their name all the time doesn't mean that they're the right candidate. You really need to understand what they're about and are they participating? Do you see them? Mm-hmm. That's what's nice about local government is that these are people who are like supposed to be with us on a day-to-day basis. So are they just showing up to your block club meeting right before an election <laughs> or do you see them all the time? All the time? Yeah. You yeah. know, Are they really part of your community or are they just coming in for some agenda at that moment? Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, so read the room. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, Vicki, thank you so much for taking time uh, today to speak with us and for all of the hard work that you've put in um, to creating um, this beautiful uh curriculum um, for the people of the city of Detroit. Thanks so much. I appreciate the partnership, Megan. All right. Yeah. All right, everybody. Um, We'll see you next time. All right. All right.